Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I hope everyone is having a good holiday season. Uh, I know for some it's like very stressful, but we have to remember what it's all about, which is kindness and goodness, uh, and and like not having a nervous breakdown when you're at the when you're shopping. That's why that's why people have moved to online. You know that I am convinced of that. Amazon. I'm not going to run into all these people when I shop. So, um, sure, that doesn't make all the stores happy. I said that. But anyway, welcome. I want to send a special shout out to Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, you are just the best national civil rights leader. I so admire you. And of course, the late Justin Dard and everything you do. But you know, I'm going to continue to mention this on every show because it's important that people remember our history, our disability rights history. And then, oh my goodness, hey, Ireland, what is going on there? You... You know, we have 17 countries that are now listening to the show. Some, just a few. Some, a little more. But wow, Ireland, you're knocking it out of the park. So I don't know what's going on over there, but I can't thank you enough. Uh, You know, keep spreading the word because, listen, disability is disability no matter where you live in the world. Like me. I have epilepsy, and I always say a seizure is a seizure no matter where you are. But thank you so much, Ireland, for your incredible commitment and listening. And our lead sponsor, Highmark. Highmark, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, has been a sponsor for the last several years, the lead sponsor of the show. And I so admire Highmark and David Holmberg for everything they embody. And earlier this year, we also had for the first quarter, AudioEye as a sponsor, a great software company that's helping people with digital accessibility. So now for the best part, and that is my guest today. My guest, guess what? He's my pastor. He's not only the lead pastor over all of Northway Christian Community Church, he's my pastor. And I'm going to tell you, he is a good man. That is how I would describe him. He is a good man. He is a loving person. He cares. Uh, He gives of himself. You know, I just think the world of him. Uh, Pastor Scott Stevens, thank you for joining us. It's great to be here, Joyce. I've uh, drank an energy drink so I can keep up with you, and um, I'm ready. Well, it's lucky you have that. Lucky you had that energy drink over there. Um, Well, you know, I was thinking about this show. And the last show, we talked about the uh, shooting, horrible shooting at the synagogue in Pittsburgh because, well, we just wanted to talk about it. But also 
two of the people, the brothers that were killed, were people mm-hmm. with intellectual disabilities. So that really, you know, hits everything even harder for me. But I yeah. always tell people, I'm so proud of Pittsburgh. You know that? I'm proud to be a Pittsburgher because of how the community came together. Um, I, I'm telling you, I really do tell that to everyone when I speak in other states. Uh, I mean, I, I just think it was awesome how everyone came together and continues to. Uh, but I thought maybe you could talk about that for a few minutes because uh, my perception is all the different faiths came together uh, yeah. during yeah. that time. Yeah, faith, faith people, faith backgrounds came together, but I also think what was amazing is just people came together, right? Various, various faiths, but people also with no faith. Um, you know, for me, like, I still believe in people because I believe that we all carry the image of God, you know, what the biblical term, the Imago Dei, you know, and, and those, it's that image of God that's inside of us when we feel like something just isn't right. We, we know that something is missing, and in a situation like this, it causes us to, like, want to do something. And I believe that nudge inside all of us, it's, it's that image of God that we all carry, that know that this was, this was awful, and, and, and it, it leaves us wanting to do something. And I think that's what happened. Everybody in Pittsburgh, that's such a pivotal community over there in Squirrel Hill. I grew up just across the river in Homestead and, uh, you know, went over there on Friday nights a lot when my kids were little. We loved that community. So everyone would just left like, what, you know, we got to do something. And I, I was just blown away by the stories, right, of people like going and just, getting pizza and taking it to the police station because um, they know that those are some of the first responders. Um, I know a young man that, that designed a T-shirt and, and sold, all, sold it in the profits 100%. $150,000 he made from selling these T-shirts um, went over to the Tree of Life. But I don't know, Joyce, like, do you ever hear, like, in these situations, do you hear people sometimes say, like, you know, if there was a God or if there is a God, how, how could he let something like that happen, you know? You know, I think it's, it's so hard for us to understand the evil in, in the world, and, and when we see it, we sometimes question God. When a natural disaster happens, sometimes we question God. And for me, like, in these situations, it causes me to also watch, like, the really beautiful things that people do, um, the unbelievable acts of kindness and encouragement and generosity, because we don't ever like say that, right? We don't ever say, hey, man, there must be a God because of all these incredible things people are doing. We just sort of turn around and blame God when, when the evil happens. But I was inspired to be a Pittsburgher, to watch all the faiths come together, but just to watch the people of Pittsburgh um, do something, um, just to, just. You know, when you run into somebody on the streets or when you'd be around some folks that you know were Jewish, um, you just acted differently and you just wanted to pour out your heart and, and your love. And I, I agree. There's something special about Pittsburgh. So I grew up here. I love it. Um, I, I didn't expect Pittsburgh to react any differently they did, which was classy and kind. I cannot imagine how horrified you were when you first received the call about this 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I was actually away on study break. Um, and uh, so I was like in that shutdown mode, didn't have anything on, didn't have any, you know, sort of had my computer off, wasn't around TV. So my wife texted me and said, hey, you know, this is happening. Um, so I got at least to a TV and made a bunch of calls and tried to figure out what was going on. But I know a lot of people that go to that synagogue, know people that, uh, you know, my eye doctor goes there. It was like some of the things that was just jumping through my mind right away, like, oh, man. Um, but, yeah, it was awful. Yeah. Well, sadly, <clears throat> I was just talking about this this morning at a corporation where I teach uh, the Bender Leadership Academy, Cavestro. And what we were talking about is how the Southern Poverty Law Center has uh, sadly seen a huge increase in hate incidents or crimes. And um, and it's terrible. It's an extremely high rate. And I wanted to ask you, um, what do you think that the church can do? What could the church do to help quell that that hatred? Yeah, I think that the best thing the church um, should do, can do, is don't wait for something to happen and then react to it. Um, I think every church should decide what it is called to do. to, to prevent these things, to, to act out, to, to, to speak against, uh, and, and then go do it. And so, like, for example, our church is working with refugees that have been placed in Pittsburgh. And um, so, therefore, when people, you know, start to say, well, what are we going to do about the refugee crisis? Well, we're already, you know, we're already doing it. Um, our church has been deeply involved in human trafficking for, for many years, Um here in the city, so when people hear these stories, we're we're already involved. We've been mentoring kids over in Homewood for the past twelve years. Um, you know, we have this unbelievable foster and adoption ministry. So I guess what I would encourage churches to do is figure out what you're called to do. I don't think every church can can you know can be involved in every single social um, justice uh, issue that there is, but I think that each church has to figure out. What is their call, um, and do it so that when these things happen, you're already in it. You're already um, you're already deeply involved. You're already making a difference. We're already seeing you know fatherless boys and girls um, you know get tutored and graduate from high school. We we see orphans finding forever homes. We're setting people that literally are in slavery um, here in our our city, and we're seeing them freed from that and, and helping them process um, you know, we're, we're working with refugees simple things of like you have these refugees that come to Pittsburgh they don't even know how to get a bus pass they don't even know how to get how to grocery shop so we have folks that are working with um, refugees when they come into the city and, uh, and they land here regardless of what you think about our policies or whatever the Bible makes it clear that we're supposed to love the refugee that is in our land um, and so when they're here in Pittsburgh we are as believers, supposed to do something um, to help them. So, yeah, I, I think to me the encouragement is we run this thing called the Imagine Conference every year here at Northway, and it's 
50 to 80 of our local and global sort of mission partners come. We always have a guest speaker, and we, we tell, we encourage people, find your one. Find your one thing uh, that you want to do. For you, it might be, um, you know, racial reconciliation. For you, it might be this refugee issue or the human trip. But find your one thing and, and get involved in it. So that's an opportunity once a year for our whole community, and the churches from all around the region come um, and are just exposed to lots of different things that they can do to help so that when these things happen, we're not just in reaction mode. We're already involved. Oh, well, hey, we can talk more about that when we come back. <clears throat> I love that conference. But right now, we're going to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Pastor Scott Stevens, the lead pastor over Northway Christian Community Church. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, we're talking to Pastor Scott Stevens, the lead pastor at Northway Christian Community Church. And you know, um, I was asking him when we went to break, you know when I'm saying how can we quell hatred in our community? What, what about the individual that goes to a church or synagogue, whatever it is? What about that individual? Yeah, I mean, we have this little quote we often say at, at our church that you don't you don't go to church, you are the church. Um, we we are all as individuals supposed to be out there, um, you know, living well and, and encouraging people, taking care of people. And, and that conference that I mentioned, like you don't have to be a Christian to come to it. We don't card you at the door and see if you're a believer or not. So I believe that everybody. Um, is called to do their part uh, in, in, in whatever. It's that whole thing that we just said, you've got to find your one. Like not everybody is called to adopt. Not, not everybody is called or is gifted to go into, um, you know, difficult racial tension issues. You know, not everybody is called to enter into this human trafficking world, which is so dark and so hard. But some of you are. And, and, and if you are called, you have to find that one thing that you're going to do. And it doesn't have to be that 
wild or dangerous or risky. You know, it could just be that, you know, single mom that lives across the street um, whose kid uh, needs someone to talk to from time to time. It could be coaching Little League. It could be doing anything to just do good for your for, for your community. I think that there's something powerful when you're doing that um, in the name of Jesus. I think, that, I think it just brings more power to it, but I believe that all of us are, are supposed to find those things that we're due to be human uh, to one another. Yeah. Yes, because um, Mayor Peduto, after this happened, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to a first responder, and I want you to say thank you. Yeah. And that's what I did on Monday mm-hmm. uh, after, you know, the Sunday after. I went to a young Pittsburgh police officer that was having coffee where I was, and I walked over and said, hey, I'm going to do what the mayor said. I want to thank you, uh, you know, for for what you do. And afterwards, he came over to me and he said, I just want to tell you how much that meant to me. And uh, I believe... Yeah. I believe kindness, love, you know, just as you said, you know, the love of God. I believe that is what will make the difference because, you know, Jesus himself talked about the least of these. You know, yep. how how can you see people, whether they're homeless or just what you said and trafficking, I don't care what it is, or an elderly person, uh, when you ignore them, you're ignoring him. So, That's you know, it. my point is that uh, we all can reach out. You know, I like what you said at the beginning about when all these faiths came together about, you know, God, the image of God being on us and on us and how we all felt like, well, I need to do something. You know, I always liked when C.S. Lewis would say, what makes you do that? You know, where does that come from? That feeling, oh, no, I've got to do something. I've got to help someone. I've got to reach out. Where does that come from? And we know where it comes from. It comes from God. We know that. But um, love always conquers hate. Always. So, Pastor Scott, you are the – see, I'm going to take your job, Pastor Scott. I'm going to start preaching. (laughs) You you are the lead pastor at Northway Christian Community, uh, and you all remember I'm headquartered in Pittsburgh, and I I go to the main campus, which is Wexford, and I know there are people listening right now that told me they'd be listening uh, to hear more about the church. And I love this church. And there is an incredible story that, you know, every time I think of it, I can't believe how it started uh, with that small group. So would you mind telling that story? Yeah, our founding pastor, Jay Passavant, you know, he was a what I would call a church pioneer here in Pittsburgh when Pittsburgh was basically filled with lots of great traditional mainline churches, you know, Protestant, Catholic, great churches, but... He had a vision to do something different, something non-traditional, um, and uh, he started with eight couples in a in a gentleman's home and uh, started meeting together and dreaming and praying about a different kind of church, a church that 
he would want to and his friends would want to come to. Um, there were lots of great traditional sort of churches out there, but he wanted something different, and he, you know, literally just prayed it and uh, into existence, and they started meeting um, in homes. They started meeting then once a month, renting facilities, and then they started meeting weekly, renting like a banquet facility um, up in the North Hills, the Chadwick, and they would gather for, you know, set the whole thing up and then have church and tear it all down. And then about 24 years ago, um, this facility that the Wexford location is on now became available, and they built this large building. And about 11, 12 years ago, had the vision to begin to, um, rather than stand up here in Wexford and, and, and ask people to drive 30, 40, 50 minutes to come here, we started planting churches in, in, in other communities. So it is really you know, Jay, uh, I think he's, you know, in fact, somebody just handed me a book called The History of Christianity in Pittsburgh, and there's a, there's a big section of it that's dedicated to, to Northway and to, to Jay's sort of vision and um, something brand new in Pittsburgh back then, 30-some years ago. Wow. And, I mean, how many people did that start with? It was nine couples, including him. Wow. And now how many people? Go to Northway in total? Uh, you know, I think we had 7,000 or something last Easter. So that's sort of a gauge. Sometimes we look at Easter and Christmas and try to figure out how many people would call Northway home. We have four or 5,000 on any weekend. You know what? That is phenomenal. This is why I yeah. always say, no matter what the situation is, one person, one decision can just change the world. You know, I went to Bill Lowry when he, you know, he passed away a year ago. I was so sad. Uh, But he was the CEO of Highmark, who in 1995 stood behind me, and my only request was to bring on board six people with disabilities on contract and keep them for three years in the IT department so that I would have revenues coming in to start this company. And you know what? It only took one day to say yes. And I always say, one man, one decision. Who knew that I would soon be going to Kazakhstan and Indonesia and, uh, you know, finding employment for thousands of people with disabilities one decision, you know, and look at Northway. Look how many people mm-hmm. are going to Northway. I mean, that's just yep. absolutely uh, phenomenal. And, and just as you mentioned, you have, we have churches throughout Pittsburgh in different locations. Yeah. What are those churches? Where so are yeah, they? Wexford was the original location, and then Oakland was next, and then we planted over in the Swickley Valley area, down in the East End, sort of that East Liberty spot, Dormont, and then last February, we launched our sixth location up in Beaver Valley, so it's actually located in right in the Rochester area, if anybody's listening locally familiar with that, up in that community. And soon... You're going to be going to a new facility for the Swickley campus, correct? Yes. Yeah, we're in the process of right now finalizing. They're, they're in what would you call like a set-up, tear-down mode. So we set up church in a local school there every Sunday morning and then tear it all down. And so we have found, um, unbelievably, a, a place that uh, 
will uh, be a permanent place for them right off of the 79 exit of Sewickley. It really should open up a lot of easy access to people to get um, to that church from all up and down Interstate 79. How wonderful is that? You know, know, a question I have, do you see, um, and I'm sure you do, different uh, economic levels, socioeconomic at all these churches? Yes. Yeah, you know, people sometimes hear Sewickley or even Wexford and, and think, you know, upper class or upper middle class, but even at our Wexford location, we have a food bank here. Um, we have people right in this community, I think 70 families that we um, that we assist uh, on a weekly basis with food. Our, our Swickley campus, there's a lot of needs in those communities. So you might think that everybody's doing well in certain spots or that, that you hear a place like East End and you might think, well, maybe there's a lot of folks there that aren't doing well. No, there's just, there's we're, we're really, I, I love to see a really diverse socioeconomic um, church, and we see that at all six of our locations. Yeah, and you know, you just, as you said, you don't know. For example, who would ever believe that there is human trafficking in Pittsburgh? Yes, right. I mean, that that's so hard to envision, uh, but I know that it's uh, true because we've had... Uh, Kevin Bales, who started Free the Slaves and lives in England, talk about, you know, Thailand and all these different countries throughout the world. But who would think it's right here in Pittsburgh? It's right here. Yep. Yeah, the stories of that team, we have a team that that, um, specifically um, helps people coming out of those situations. So we work closely with the local authorities, the FBI. So when someone is rescued, and and we have groups that are part of the rescue, but our role is really to come in the minute that they are rescued, they have nothing. They have no clothes, no place to stay, no way to get back to family. So yeah, our our role is to step in. And and man, it is heartbreaking. You're thinking to yourself like, this doesn't happen here in Pittsburgh, but yes, it does. Oh, it's terrible. That is so terrible. That that is just horrifying. Uh, Pastor Scott, just so everyone will know, do you have services coming up for the uh, upcoming Christmas holiday? When are those going to be? So I know that at Wexford, we're we're doing a little differently this year. So Christmas Eve falls on a Monday. So we're going to do a Saturday night, a Sunday night, and three on Christmas Eve, sort of all the same uh, you know, Christmas Eve services will end with, you know, with a silent night by candlelight. And all of our locations are doing services then on Sunday and Monday. So you can find, we just always, we've been doing this thing recently where we've started to do Christmas Eve services the day before Christmas Eve too, because there's so many people that travel on Christmas Eve or they're bogged down with family things that, we started years ago, and we had people come up to us and would say, like, man, thank you for doing this, because I haven't been to a Christmas Eve service at, at my home church here um, in years, uh, because they travel, or they have to get over to grandma's, or, so yeah, so we will do Christmas Eve, Eve um, services at all locations this year. And I just want to say again, I want to compliment uh, you and tell you how proud I am that Northway was part of the vigil and the caring at the synagogue, just as you said, all these different faiths. Yep. It was so so wonderful. And before we go to our um, 
news break here. I, I okay. just want to remind everyone that there is a reverend that I'm sure you're all familiar with, Martin Luther King Jr., who said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate right. cannot out drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that is what I know is true. And with that, hey, this is our On the Half Hour News Break, Advocacy Matters with uh, Perry Jude Radisic, the CEO of Disability Rights Pennsylvania. Perry Jude, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Joyce. Uh, This is happening today. And thanks to an alert from the American Association of People with Disabilities, you're on that board the Center for Public Representation, and lots of other organizations who are pushing and supporting this legislation. The U.S. House of Representatives is set to vote on a bipartisan piece of legislation today, this afternoon, called the Improve Act, which renews the Money Follows the Person program for three months. That bill number, which is on the floor of the House this afternoon, is H.R. 7217. And, Joyce, this bill has bipartisan support. The legislation was introduced. Do you remember John Dingle from Michigan? Yes. Well, his wife now has his seat. And so the bill was introduced on December 6th by Representative Debbie Dingle, and Representative Brett Guthrie, who's a Republican. Now, Money Follows a Person is a program that gets seniors and individuals with disabilities out of nursing homes and back into communities if it's their choice. We also call this home and community-based services. Now, why are we rushing this bill at the end of the session, even for a short three-month period? Well, because states are running out of money. They're running out of their federal dollars to fund the Money Follows the Person or Home and Community-Based Service Programs. States need this additional money from the feds to fully fund their programs. And so this short three-month renewal will bridge that gap until the new Congress convenes and consider more permanent legislation in 2019. So we have eight states that have completely exhausted their money follows the person program. So if you live in Delaware, Illinois, Kansas, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Texas, and Virginia, your states have already exhausted their money follows the person funding. The rest of us Our states, including Pennsylvania, will run out of money follows the person money at the end of December, the end of this month. So it's so important that this afternoon the House passes H.R. 7217. Now, I'm pretty confident the House is going to do that because it's on what's called, it's under the suspension of the rules calendar. So that's a technical term, meaning that it's a non-controversial bill, and the House will suspend the rules and likely see a vote either close to or completely unanimous. And then there's only a, a, 
about two weeks left before they adjourn for the holiday break. So now we need the Senate to pass a companion bill as soon as the House finishes their business. There is a companion bill. It's S-2227. That was, again, a bipartisan bill introduced by Rob Portman, a Republican from Ohio, and Maria Cantwell, a Democrat from Washington. So what's important is that your advocacy matters. So we need you to call the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And ask to be connected to your representatives today and then to your senators and tell them that you are concerned that money follows the person in your state has ended or will end and they must approve the IMPROVE Act before the end of December. So your calls matter. Make sure you make them today, and make sure that this bill passes uh, before uh, we uh, run out of time by the end of the month. So, Joyce, all this information will be posted on our website here. Uh, uh, if not by the end of the day, certainly by tomorrow. And people can visit us at Disability Rights PA dot org and get more details thanks joyce um one if just in a couple sentences again could you quickly explain to our listeners one more time what money follows the person is absolutely absolutely this is legislation that helps people with disabilities and older adults who want to leave the nursing homes or other institutions get back into their community. So it's called Money Follows the Person. So if you leave an institutional setting and move back home, that money follows you and can be used for home and community-based services. And we all know if you get your services in a home, you have better outcomes because you are not in an institutional setting if that's what you choose. And nearly every state has participated in, the, in this program. So you get to pick your own providers, you get served in your home, and that's why we call it home and community-based services. Well, this is very important, really important. I really hope, uh, you know, there are 18-year-old people with disabilities in these nursing homes, like a prison. Take time. Go call your uh, Congress, call that Capitol hotline. Uh, is that on your website also or not, Perry? Yes, yes. We'll okay. get this information posted here shortly. I'll give that number again. 202-224-3121. Make the call. Make the call. It makes a difference. Uh, and thank you. Perry Jude, thank you so much for giving us that very important update. Thank you, Joyce. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Wow, that is so important. And we're going to come back and talk again to Pastor Scott. But right now we're going to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Pastor Scott Stevens, the lead pastor of Northway Christian Community. We'll be right back. Don't go away. 
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We are talking to Lee Pastor, Scott Stevens, over the Northway Christian Community Church. And I love this story. Uh, you may have read this story in the Post-Gazette about Jack Mook and Mike Manna. And if you did... You also read about Pastor Scott Stevens, who's on with us today. I mean, it's just such a great story. Uh, and I know you had a very big influence on Mike. Uh, I, w- I wonder if you'd mind sharing that story with our listeners. Yeah, Gene Collier, local sports writer, you know, had heard this story of Mike Manis, a local so pretty, I, I would say, famous amateur boxer in town, and he decided to go pro, and he's donating all his proceeds to charity, uh, to Children's Hospital. So Gene got a hold of the story and, and interviewed Mike, and my name came up. So so Gene um, gave me a call. It's, it was in the Post-Gazette the Friday after Thanksgiving. It was really a well-done article about boxing in Pittsburgh and about the characters of boxing. Um, but, yeah, so I, it's a gym that I attend. Boxing's been a little hobby of mine for ever since I can remember, and um, I love the characters of boxing, I love the sport of boxing, and um, there's a, a little gym in Pittsburgh called Jack's Gym that Jack Mook owns, and um, I've been friends with Jack for many, many years, and I've known Mike probably 10, 12 years, seen him around town, didn't really know him that well, but I've worked out with him a few times, and he was going through a real difficult spot in his life, and Jack asked if I could talk to him, and I gave Mike a call, and um, we got together, and have just become really great friends. Um, you know, you said, you know, I, uh, everything that I've done, whatever I might have done for Mike and Jack, they've done more for me and just helping me understand life and people. And I just love those guys. So Mike now attends our church. He's, um, you know, he's just, he's really following Jesus and trying to figure out what it is God's got planned for him. And, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing story. How much detail do you want? Do you want the Jack? The Jack Moore yeah, sort of yeah, story? Yeah, okay. yeah the, the policeman story, yes. Yeah, Jack, Jack's like, you know, he, five, six years ago, he was he was top 20 CNN's interesting people of the year. His story went national. He's been on Glenn Blackback, and he's been all over the place doing things over the years. 
There's, there's a movie actually in the works of his life, but his story briefly is a Pittsburgh City police officer that volunteered his time at Steel City Boxing in Pittsburgh. He met two young boys there, brothers, um, sort of befriended them. They were clearly kids that were struggling at home. Um, and for years, he trained them there. He got them in the Golden Gloves tournaments, and they seen these boys' lives turn around. Then they just literally disappeared and couldn't find them. Um, Jack and friends went out sort of searching for them. They eventually found them, and they were in abusive foster care home. And Jack, uh, uh, you know, being a police officer, he, he made some things happen quickly and got them pulled um, from that home and brought them into his home as a temporary foster parent. And uh, he ended up adopting both boys. Um, Jack is a lifelong bachelor, so he uh, adopts these two Two young guys, um, Josh, the oldest, is now graduated, and he's in the Army. It's an amazing story to watch him, and Jesse, I think, is in, in ninth grade, and Jack's their dad. In the midst of that, after adopting those boys, Jack got married for the first time, and to Mary, and Mary had three kids, so this lifelong bachelor um, uh, ends up going from you know two kids to five kids almost overnight in his home, and Jack's just been a, a really good friend of mine over the years, and I got to experience and sort of watch that whole story unfold as his friend and as his you know guy that the guy that hung out at the gym with him so yeah i've known jack for a long time and then he introduced me to mike yeah that is such a great story you know oh that? my gosh I yeah mean, that is yep. such a great story about what he did uh i mean how many people would yeah, do seriously, that seriously any yeah. listener you have right now joyce if they just type in that name jack mook m-o-o-k and the story will come up on YouTube or whatever. Just watch it. Like, they they show scenes of abducting the boys, and it's just, it is one of the best stories. No wonder, like, they're talking about doing a movie, because it is just one of the best stories. And Jack is a character. I mean, it's just, it's an unbelievable story. Yeah, and and, and those boys were in a terrible oh. situation, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah, they were in a... Yeah, their parents uh, lost custody and care for them, and they went into the foster care system, and it was um, it was an abusive situation. Um, it was, yeah, I won't go into detail. Some of it's in the stories. Jack, I'll let Jack tell it in the, if you, if you just look at the, you know, they're like little five, six-minute little stories that, are, um, that the news did locally, and then again, like it caught nationally. But yeah, it was just awful. I just... I just remember being, you know, a friend of Jack's and processing that with him back then and, you know, his decision to, to take these kids in and then adopt them is just unbelievable. One man, one decision. There's another example. That's right. Yeah, wow. That's right. Uh, I mean, that that is just, I, mean, I have to ask you this. Do people say to you, okay, why do you like boxing? <laughs> I, I have to say that I like amateur boxing a lot um professional boxing can be you know you're doing it for a paycheck and you're risking your life there's something beautiful about amateur boxing particularly for for young boys and girls it just teaches such discipline um it's obviously a really hard sport so it gets you in shape but it is this helped a lot of kids that that you know that were undisciplined in life or had no father figures in life and they come into these gyms and Amateur boxing, you wear big old 16-ounce gloves and headgear. It's really pretty hard to hurt one another, um, especially when you're little. Uh, so, yeah, I, I fell in love with it when I was young. And, um, 
and now I just, yeah, I just, I, I'm a fan of amateur boxing. You'll find me at all the little local shows, cheering on kids from our gym, but just cheering on the on the sport. But I, yeah, I just, I've just always, always loved it more from that side of it. Though boxing is an art, you know. I'm not a big fan of MMA and some of that, some of that, you know, uh, UCF fights that look in the cage and all that. It feels like more of like a bar fight. But boxing is an art. It's really there's really a fine skill to it and uh so i I, i've also learned i can't convince people people if they don't like it they just don't like it no matter what i say so you know what i i do and my husband actually wrote a letter to gene collier about that fabulous article and said that that he does believe that a lot of these people um are boxing does have characters it really does it It does you know but also it keeps young kids out of crime, off the streets, builds okay. confidence, discipline, j- just as you said, a lot of things. But I'm so happy for those two boys. Thank God that, no. you know, thank yeah. God I'm so happy for them. Um, so you do, as you mentioned earlier, a lot in the Pittsburgh community. And I wanted to ask you one more time about that Imagine Conference. How do people get mm. involved with that? Yeah, it happens every November. It's on our website, so if you go to northway.org and hit search Imagine, it'll pop up. So, yeah, each November it's grown to where there's, I don't know, I think 600 people or something attended it this this past year. There's usually a keynote speaker on a Friday night that just tries to encourage people to find that one thing that, that they need to do, and then you come back the next day. You can choose from um, over 50 different speakers and workshops. So if, like, God's sort of tugging at your heart that maybe you're supposed to foster or supposed to adopt or, you know, or working with refugees, then you just go to that breakout session. There will be an expert there to talk you through how you can get involved and what you can do and information and contacts. And literally where our hope is that people leave that conference with what was maybe a nudge um, into now having some facts and, and some uh, information that they need to pursue uh, to pursue you know a world you know can you imagine a world um, where everyone is loved um, where everyone is cared for and that's sort of the imagine conference we're just uh, imagining a different world yeah and I think that's so great you know you you do so many great things at Northway so I have to ask. Uh, over the holiday season or even now someone listening to the show it you can't do all these things and they're so important just one that human trafficking but you know helping the homeless so many things it's great but you can't do it without resources so if someone is listening today and they're saying wow that is so great oh and I want to mention one thing when I told Northway about having a uh Sign language interpreter for people who are deaf. We have a sign language interpreter for people who are deaf. So if you're listening and you're in Pittsburgh and you're from the deaf community, make sure you tell people at Northway in Wexford at 11 o'clock, you know, they do have an an, an interpretive service. But even something like that, it takes resources. So if someone's listening now, how do they make a donation to Northway? Yeah, pretty simple. Northway.org, right on the front page, there's a tab that says give, and um, it'll 
take you through multiple ways that you can do it through online giving or writing a check or however you want to do it. It's it's right on there, and you can designate it to something that you've got a heart for or a passion for. Or you can just give it to the general fund, and it'll go to whatever our next most important need is. But as I said, it's wonderful for the church to do all of this, but it takes resources to do all of this. So if you're listening today over this holiday season, time of giving, please remember Northway.org. Go to the website, make a contribution uh, today. It will make a difference. And Pastor Scott, you grew up in Munhall. You are a hardcore Pittsburgher. You know that? You are Mr. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, As you, here you were, a boy growing up in Monhall. Did it ever cross your mind that someday I'm going to be a lead pastor over this whole church community with 7,000 people that have attended over the holidays? Uh, Joyce, absolutely not. I didn't even like church. You know, we didn't grow up going to church much. Um, My parents separated and divorced and mom took a couple jobs so it was sort of her role to get us there and I think I'm the middle of, of three boys and we just sort of wore her out to at some point um, you know we became a family that would get there when we could typically Christmas or Easter or both but uh, yeah so I had no no call on my life at that age or whatever and like I said I really I was probably one of those kids that in Sunday school that was disrupting things and uh, yeah church was was definitely not my thing well it is now it is now how about that yeah, see never say goodness, never it is now <laughs> hey um, right. and I guess that happened when when did that happen it was high school for me so you know it was one of those classic stories where my life was off the tracks and heading down a wrong spot and um I got invited to this youth group meeting and had really no desire at all, but there was a girl there that uh, that I knew that went to that youth group that I sort of liked, and I, and I figured if I went that maybe I could get to talk to her. And uh, so I went, and I did get to talk to her, but there was a young couple there that were sort of newlyweds, and they just showed me something different, something I never saw, you know, husband and wife treating one another like that. I never saw a marriage, and then when I discovered that it was Jesus that was different in their lives, that, that they were walking out their faith differently, um, that it wasn't about rules and Sunday school or sin. It was just about really um, caring for people. I ended up hanging out with them a lot and um, eventually, you know, t- took that step of faith, said, God, if you're real, I, I want to believe and I want to know you. And, um, man, it was the best decision I ever made. I ended up marrying that girl. Um, so, yeah, that, that worked out well, too. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's my story. Then, yeah, even that, I didn't get into church work right away. I was doing some other things when I came out of college and then just had this call on my life to, to work with with students and, and uh, young uh, emerging leaders. has been a passion of mine and uh, went into that and, God provide me with the gifts and the tools to do it, and yeah, unbelievable. Here I am, still talking to that girl today. Still talking. Have have two daughters and a grandchild with that girl today. Uh, congratulations. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and yes, she she is a great lady, uh, and mm-hmm. we're lucky to have her at the church also. 
Especially yeah. since we need someone to keep you in line. So it's lucky we have her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so what do you think Jesus would say if he was here today? What do you think he would say about this world today? I mean, he is here, yeah. but I'm meaning right. here like walking uh, around town. Yeah, I you know, like the the book of Isaiah, you know, it had all those prophecies about about the Messiah and what he would be like and what he would say and what he would do. And you know, in that one scripture it talks about how the Messiah would come to to proclaim good news to the poor, to to set, you know, captives free, to heal people, to help folks that are blind recover their sight and set people free from oppression. And if Jesus was walking around today, I think that's what he'd do. I think he would go right into um, communities where people were being oppressed. Um, I think he'd be in the prison systems. I think he would be reaching out to the poor and to those that were sick and needed healing, and he would um, he would do all those things. I don't think he'd fuss around with politics or fuss around with people that didn't want to listen to him or fuss around with those that thought they were righteous above everybody else or had it all together, I think he would do what he did then. He'd step into those marginalized people's lives and he'd begin to show them what the, the true God, what the image of God, what the, uh, what the character and the ways um, of God are. And, and I think we would all be drawn to him just like people were then. Yeah. I believe that, too. Well, hey, we are already coming to the end of the show. So, Pastor Scott, what message do you want to leave with our listeners? I think just Merry Christmas, right? This is such a wonderful time of the year to, uh, so yeah, I think it's a time of the year that families reunite and people come together. I also think this is a time of the year when there's a lot of people hurting. You know, Christmas time brings up difficult moments for people, lost loved ones, tragedies in their life, different. So I think you should be aware of that, that people all around you at, at this season might be putting on a nice smile and a nice Christmas sweater, but there could be a hurt going on underneath. So uh, reach out to those people that you might think are lonely this time of the year or have lost a loved one this year or that you just know struggle in this season and, and, and do something beautiful for them. for them. Wow. Well, I couldn't say it better. And here we are at the end of the show, Northway.org. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Thank you, Pastor Scott Stevens, and I'll talk to everyone again next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.